so we will now talk about personal branding and we have a special guest today Edmund so Edmund is a data scientist writer and speaker he's currently a data science instructor at Hackwagon Academy with a mission to make data science accessible to everyone through education so welcome Edmund Alexi, yeah, great to join. Very excited to join um, to be you know part of the conference here, and I really you know hope to add values to uh, whoever who are attending the conference here by sharing, uh, you know, some of the experience or even mistakes along the journey that I've encountered. So look forward to that. Yeah. Yes. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Sure. So before we go in, go into our uh, main topic for for this talk uh, about personal brand, uh, let's start with your background. Can you tell us a bit uh, about your career journey so far? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's been a roller coaster, to be honest. But then I started, uh, I think, two, two and a half years ago, so I started off as a you know, physics student. I was from a physics background. And I was, uh, when I joined the first internship, the overseas internship back then in, in Switzerland, and I attended you know, um, a machine learning workshop, my first ever machine learning workshop. And I fell in love with that. So when I was back to Singapore two months later, I self-learned all these uh, so-called different data science concepts, you know, machine learning and all these different technical and non-technical topics, uh, either from seminars, from conference like this, like what we are doing right now, or from other mentors or reading books. And I found it very fascinating. So this is how I started out my, my data science journey. And then I moved on to my first full-time role um, as a data scientist intern. I didn't start off as a full-timer yet because I, I just wanted to get more experience, you know, uh, to build my portfolio before I started working on a full-time basis. So I worked on a few months for an internship and I started on moving my full-time role as a data scientist. And until now, I joined Highwagon as a full-time data science instructor. Hope to, um, you know, share what I've learned so far with people who want to learn data science, but somehow they are not sure how to start, you know, or begin that journey. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, um, and I guess, uh, like that, that is, uh, how to put it, uh, like helping people to start. This is, uh, like an amazing, and this is like pretty on topic for what uh, we, we discussed today. Right. So like, uh, um, so yeah, so maybe we will start, let's start with that. Um, so what is personal brand for you? What, what does it mean? I see. Uh, I think this is uh, a very broad definition here. But to me, personal brand is really just more than, you know, getting followers. I think this is some vanity metrics that uh, the last thing they want to do, right, when you start building your personal brand. But to me, really, it really boils down to uh, sharing your expertise, as I said, your experience or knowledge or even your mistakes along the journey. Uh, in your career so that you can help more people and at the same time the byproduct of doing this is that you're starting building your own online presence that people start to know you so for example if you go to LinkedIn uh, you might not know or even aware of that that uh, some recruiters or employers are from other companies or people who are hiring they may notice your profile so this is how you start building your personal brand getting people to notice while at the same time, you are sharing what it is that you love to help people. And I think um, throughout this so-called personal brand journey, uh, this is, you know, the most fulfilling things I've ever done throughout my career. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in your opinion, this is like uh, the most, uh, like the one of the applications, or like how to say, like with personal brand, you become more visible. 
on exactly. social media, right? And the reason you might do this, as I understood, like let's say when you are looking for a job and you want to get noticed, right? And this is how people uh, get started with their own, own personal brand. Right? Yes. So they want to get noticed. So they start being active on social media and then hiring managers see them, uh, reach out, or maybe uh, when you apply for a job, um, they say, okay, I must have seen this person in social media and then they immediately yes. get prioritized. Is it like that? Exactly. And this is, to me, one of the most effective ways to differentiate yourself as a candidate when it comes to job searching. You can imagine if you just like other people, just submit your resume to hundreds of other resumes out there. It is very hard to differentiate yourself. So if you have a strong personal brand, that really tells a lot. Yeah. And is it a synonym for... Uh online presence, like a strong personal brand, like being active on social media, or there is something more to that? I would say online and offline. How you are perceived online is how you are perceived offline. So this is how people uh, notice you. I mean, first impression matters, right? How people perceive you online will bring it to offline. And when they meet you, your impression will still be there. This is how we see. And um, so I think this is both kind of channels for personal brand. And we need to do it consistently. So it's not like you just share your stuff once in a month or once in a week, but you have to do it consistently long time. Uh, so I will always tell people that building your personal brand is not like a one-time goal, but more on it is a consistent uh, commitment right? that you need to do and to share so that you as a person, as an individual, your presence is always on top of other people's mind. So when they have some opportunities immediately, they will think of you and they will contact you. And this is how you get more opportunities. And we, and we all know that getting more opportunities, uh, meaning that we can get a better chance to go to a next level in our career. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it means you need to be, um, like, I don't know if I can say it, like be famous in a certain area when they think, okay, who are people in Singapore who are good at teaching data science? They immediately think of you, right? So this is a sort of a personal brand, right? So being sort of famous in a certain niche or am I, am I correct? Uh, maybe I would try to rephrase it instead of being mm -hmm. famous. I would say to be known. To be known, yes. To be, to be known as someone that is established in their own expertise. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. So this is how I would define that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do we establish this expertise? Yeah. Good questions. I think everyone has their own preference. So be it writing articles on Medium, uh, right, or be it using a podcast if you like uh, to present using your voice, or be it a video if you like a visual kind of sharing. So everyone has different preference. So to me, I prefer writing and face-to-face uh, -face sharing. And that's the reason why I become a data science instructor because I like to share face-to-face, uh, -face, online or offline. So if you have noticed, I also uh, share quite a bit of data science articles on Medium. And I think one of the main reasons is that I love writing like a lot. Mm -hmm. I love sharing my thoughts on writing. I, I, I see that, you know, whenever I write, it really helps me think deeper of what I understand uh, certain knowledge. And that helps me reflect on a lot of things on myself um, to deepen my knowledge. And at the same time, I can share with others to help others. So to me, uh, I think that depends on what channel you prefer and you can go for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for you, uh, you mentioned it was Medium, right? So you started yes. posting something actively on Medium and yes. this is how people noticed you, right? 
Exactly, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Can you tell us that story? Like, how did it happen for you? <laughs> Great. Uh, this is interesting. Like, two years back, uh, when I started my data science journey, because I just wanted to share my uh, data science journey. And back then, I didn't know about this thing called personal brand. So I just shared for the sake of helping and sharing. And the moment I started writing uh, for a publication called Towards Data Science, and my articles got published, and I got uh, a bit of comments and remarks, you know, of other people. And at that time, I knew that I was onto something hmm. in the writing space because I knew that I love writing, and people really resonated a lot with my writing in data science. And, and that's when I started, you know, continue writing. Um, not every day, but uh, on a weekly basis. I make a strong commitment to myself. Whatever that happened, I got to write an article every week, right? Every uh, week. Consistently for a few months. So that was how I built out my momentum. Uh, you couldn't just write an article like once in a blue moon um, and you just leave it there to build your, your to establish yourself as a expertise in this day, I think consistency plays a big role, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you uh, you decided that you want to share the knowledge, so, uh, and I can guess why, like, uh, I like yeah. writing because it helps me learn things better, and I think you also mentioned that uh, this yes. was the reason for you as well. <laughs> so you. you did that for a couple of months, and this helped, like, it resonated with people, right? They started replying in comments, and you saw, okay, like, I must be uh, on something, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and that was how I got into uh, other uh, different publications, uh, one and the other. And that was how my uh, piece of writings got uh, republished and other platforms to help more people and reach a wider audience. And I think that helps uh, using different publications so that it can help wide, make, it, make your audience wider. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what was uh, like, uh... I know when you publish and publish something for uh, a couple of months, um, probably most of things, they do not get, they are not noticed, they do not get traction. Yes. Uh, but like at some point it starts getting traction. So how do you, uh, how do you convince yourself that you must uh, keep going, you must keep writing if, uh, I don't know, uh, like you publish something and then two, three people see this, no, no one reacts. Like how do you convince yourself that this is worth doing? Yeah, that's, that's very true because sometimes when you didn't get any traction, you, you doubted yourself, right? Should I continue or not, right? This kind of mindset. So to me, one of the things that really kept me moving is that, uh, first of all, you, you really need to have the passion of what you do. So I love writing. So, so this is one thing, one reason. The second reason is that um, because I got a lot of um, messages, mm -hmm. mainly from LinkedIn, People who read my articles, they told me that, hey, I found your article helpful. Really, thanks for you writing that. That helps me a lot in my journey. That messages alone really kept me mm -hmm. going because I knew that even just one person who read the article, I knew that I helped someone. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter how many people that I, I reach out. So this is what kept me going um, even before I got any traction during the early days. Mm -hmm. so, so I think these are the two main things yeah, that mm -hmm. kept me going. And uh, you also mentioned you were writing for Towards Data Science, and I guess uh, this is like a uh, sort of a, how how to call it, like a publisher. 
uh, who already has an audience, right? So you're kind of uh, building on top of the audience they have. So it's not like you're uh, writing uh, to like and nobody sees, right? So there's already a certain audience there, right? Exactly. Uh, we always want to leverage the existing audience size from the publications. Uh, because if you just publish it on your own, it's very hard to get noticed, even by the medium editors or other publication. So to me, uh, getting into towards their size is the best decision mm -hmm. to start for me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, I personally know you from LinkedIn. So this is where I saw you. Uh, yeah. And uh, not on, uh, I'm not very active on Medium. I sometimes, of course, stumble across uh, uh, in LinkedIn or in Twitter. I stumble across posts that lead to Medium, but typically this is not something I uh, read uh, on a daily basis. So how this transition for you happened from uh, being known on Medium to being known on social media? Cool. Uh, good question. I, I think I actually did this at the same time. So... So back then when I was deciding, you know, which social media should I focus on, I, I couldn't be everywhere because there's only one month here. Um, so I decided that I got to focus on two things. First, Medium. Second, LinkedIn. So I put all my time, all my efforts in these two channels. Uh, that's all. So I started writing my articles every week. Uh, this, is, this is one thing. Second thing is I decided to make a commitment to post my content on LinkedIn uh, every one or two days. So one week I should post maybe three to four posts on LinkedIn um, by sharing my experience or maybe a snippet of my articles or maybe just to share my articles that I've written on LinkedIn. Um, but there was a, um, a very, I would say a struggling process, especially on LinkedIn. Uh, it's not like Medium, it's, it's an entirely different ecosystem. So to me, uh, to really get traction in, in, a, in any channel, uh, I would really need to understand how the ecosystem works because every channel has their own audience base, audience base and different audience prefers different formats. For example, Medium is a long form writing content, written content, right? But for LinkedIn, um, there's a word limit. So I got to write an engaging story within that 1,300 characters, if you know what I mean. Right. So key people are really uh, understand that, follow the story. And at the end of the story, they need to have some takeaway, lesson learned from this from the post. And, and I can tell you to generate content it is one of the toughest things ever. I think you know that. Yeah, yes, it's, it's very tough. Content. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... You started writing on Medium and at the same time you started writing on LinkedIn at the same time, That's right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, because I got an impression first that you were writing something on Medium and then you would just <laughs> post uh, articles. And I know exactly. that if you do that, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn doesn't like when you share ah, article, yes. links, right? So like exactly. when I share a link, it gets very few views. When I share hmm. like a story, it uh, gets a lot more engagement. So LinkedIn doesn't like links. And I was going to ask you, like, how did you overcome that? But I, I understood that uh, you were also, in addition to just sharing, sharing links, you were also sharing your personal stories just on LinkedIn, right? Exactly. Sometimes it, it could be different format of content uh, beyond just the articles itself. I also share, like, like you say, uh, the 
the personal journey. It's nothing that is related to data science, but something that's personal, right? Something that is inspiring, that I find inspiring. I want to share with others. Also, you could share a bit of your data science uh, stuff that I share. Um, sometimes just something random or funny that I found, it, right? So I think um, in terms of giving content to help other people, uh, it doesn't really need to be always related to what you do. It could be something personal, something career related, something inspiring, something sad, sometimes something uh, that you, know, you can just share some quotes to motivate others. You will know because somebody who is having a hard day, they read your stuff and they find it helpful. And this is the impact and I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can totally relate to that. But uh, I, I'm also curious to know, like, um, because you said that uh, people don't usually do this for the sake of personal brand, and you didn't even know that there is a word, that there is a, like a term like that, personal yes. brand. So just, uh, did you just wake up one day and realize, okay, I want to share on LinkedIn and Twitter? Oh, no, sorry, on LinkedIn and Medium? Or how did it happen? Like, how did you think, okay, I need to share and I need to be consistent and I need to post once per week on Medium and three, four times per week on LinkedIn? Like, how did this process happen to you? Like, what led you to this decision? Yeah, great question. Uh, in fact, before I started sharing any content on any channel, I was following uh, a lot of other so-called data science mentors. That was way before two years back. Um, and, and they share a lot of content. And that time I just started joining and being active on LinkedIn. I didn't post anything. I just read whatever they post on LinkedIn, right? The content. And I really found it very helpful. All the stuff, I would say 70 to 80% of data science knowledge that I learned, not from the book, but from LinkedIn, to be honest. And this, that was when I realized LinkedIn is just not, it's not just a job search platform. I think exactly. there's much more than that. It's even beyond what people would think, hey, I just throw my resume on LinkedIn to find a job. Uh, and this is not what I thought back then. And I think that LinkedIn is a perfect platform to network, to learn from each other, to share what you have. And, and, and this is why I love LinkedIn. And I started sharing more of the content. Instead of being a consumer on LinkedIn, I want to be a producer to help other people, creator on LinkedIn. Okay, uh, so, so that was how I started being active on LinkedIn. And, and I realized that the data science community on LinkedIn is super helpful. You can just ask a question, should I learn Python or R? You will see a lot of comments <laughs> down there course, to tell like you. Like if you yeah. ask that, then it will be a very heated debate. <laughs> of course, it would be a, you would probably trigger a war, right, in the comments. Yes. But you can see how, how passionate people are, right, on LinkedIn in, in data science space. And that's why I love that. And I love to share. This is good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember for me, it happened like I just uh, one day, I gave a talk or something like that, and I shared the presentation yeah. slides on LinkedIn, and it just uh, went crazy. Like, I don't know, like to me, crazy was like 15 <laughs> likes or something. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And that. then this is then I understood, uh, okay, like there is something to that. Like, maybe if I, Next time I give a talk, I again share something or I write a post and then like people started to react and I saw like engagement and this, uh, you know, got me hooked. Was it similar mm -hmm. to you? Like... Yeah, I think, I think you mentioned it correctly. Like uh, 
it's not like every post will go viral, right? The, the moment you start to notice certain traction, for example, your case, 50 likes, and then you realize, oh, maybe you know, I should post more useful content and, and that will engage other people and people find it helpful. And it's how I felt that uh, I, sometimes when I post, I felt, did I really add any values? I doubted myself at right, every post. But then when I realized some of my posts really got a lot of engagement, you know, people commenting down there and sharing with me that they found it helpful, uh, that really motivated me a lot. So, so that's how I, I felt and got started and really post content consistently on LinkedIn, even now, mm -hmm. nowadays, uh, to, to share that I, I make, a, make up my mind to share content uh, at least three to four times a week on LinkedIn. Uh, maybe not so uh, frequent on Medium nowadays. I seldom write on Medium nowadays because of my work commitment. But LinkedIn is still my favorite channel. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I imagine that writing a full post on Medium just simply takes more time, right? And uh, yeah. on right. LinkedIn, you can just quickly draft something and then see if the idea uh, resonates with people and then convert it to an article. Yeah, correct. Yeah, exactly. Do you do exactly. that? Or? Yes, I, I actually, how I put out content for me is, uh, I'm not sure you've heard of that, it's called Hootsuites. It's a platform for people to write, to schedule mm -hmm. their content. So to me, I, I don't really prefer uh, writing a post every single day because that is mm -hmm. very time consuming. I would just chunk out maybe one or two hours time on weekend. And within these two hours, I'm going to generate all the ideas that I have to make it a bite-sized content that I can share on maybe LinkedIn or Twitter and just schedule it right away throughout the next week. So this week I'm gonna generate some contents and schedule it to be out next week. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is my workflow, um, but this also saved me a lot of time uh, to make it much more productive uh, because if you imagine every day after work, evening, sitting at home, and you're gonna think through what content you need to book out, you, you spend like half an hour there one week you spend more than that. So to me, uh, productivity is quite important. Yeah, to do that. And uh, yeah, I'm really curious about this. Uh, like you, you said that uh, once a week, you sit down for one, two hours and then you generate as many ideas as possible. Yeah. So how does the process of generating ideas look to you? Like where do you get inspiration? Good question, very good. I, I think that's very tough, right? Content generation is not easy. I always have some resources that I refer to. Uh, for example, you can look at Fitly. I'm not sure you heard of that. Fitly, F-E-E-D-L-Y. It's a super cool data aggregator platform and it's free. It aggregates all the platforms that are selected uh, for you every single day. And if you are wondering what content to post, you can refer to that and see what articles that pique your interest. You read the article, if you find it helpful, and you can regenerate your content right away. And you can just write your thoughts about the article. What do you see there? What do you think about this article? And this one way. Another way, something that's rather technical is through Buzzsumo. What's it? Buzzsumo. Buzzsumo. B-U-Z-Z-S-U-M-O. Buzzsumo. And usually Buzzsumo features the top content in the entire internet for some topics. So you, if you're wondering what topics that garner the interest in the internet right now, that people click on it, a lot of sharing, you know, engagement, you can read Trending the top stuff, three. Right? 
uh, correct training stuff on Twitter, for example, right? So you can read that. And from there, maybe you can get some ideas of what content to post. For example, on Buzzword, if I see how to go into data science. So that means people are very curious and interested in going into data science. So I might write a post to give people seven steps on how to go into data science. And that will increase the chance of getting more people interest. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so there are, there are many different uh, ways of doing that. Another personal preference is whenever I have any ideas, like randomly, I, I was I'm walking, I'm working, I have some ideas. I can't memorize all of these. So I have my super uh, productivity apps. It's called Evernote. Evernote. Okay. Evernote. Okay, I share that on Evernote. LinkedIn as well. Okay. Evernote, yes. Um, I just jot down my thoughts on Evernote, like what I'm going to share. Just a topic. You don't need to write all these things because I'm going to write this on Sunday anyway. So I just write the topic where I'm going to share and I just compile them and I write that on Sunday itself. Mm -hmm. Another channel that you can get inspiration is by looking at other people's content. Mm -hmm. You can see that easily, right? Yeah, in data science community, if you notice, uh, some posts really get a bit of engagement compared to others. Mm -hmm. And then I would see, hey, what exactly that move people from this post? What are the inspiration and what is the format of the content? Is it a video-based? Is it a written content? Or is it an audio-based? Sometimes it could be a PDF. I tested one time. I posted a PDF cheat sheet on LinkedIn. Oh, and that was, well. that's gone crazy wild, right? So, so it's all about experimentation and sharing. And once you notice that pattern, all right, uh, focus on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but LinkedIn's algorithm always changes. I would say the most important thing is your quality of your content. Mm -hmm. So make sure that your content is, is good, that can add values to other people instead of copy pasting other people, I think it's not good. Yeah, and we have Ravid here in the comments, and he's uh, he uses this PDF uh, format quite a while, quite quite a lot. Like, like he's yeah. sharing cheat sheets, and his posts get a lot of engagement. So, hi Ravid, thanks for for dropping by. Um, what do you think about other platforms? So, LinkedIn is not the only platform. So, there are also um, other things like Reddit, Quora, Twitter. Uh, like, I don't know, you name it. There are quite a few of them. So what do you think about other platforms? Yeah, you're right. Definitely there are so many other platforms out there. And um, I would love to try out Clubhouse someday. Clubhouse, okay. When you get an iPhone. <laughs> yes, right? when I get an iPhone. But I'm currently using <laughs> Android and that's fine. <laughs> so Clubhouse is my go, uh, my future platform that I'm going to try out. But in fact, the current platform that I'm trying out right now is Twitter. Mm -hmm. I'm actually uh, recently moving more towards the Twitter part uh, because I find uh, there's opportunity there that we can share our um, content as well. But I realized that Twitter is kind of a huge different ecosystem compared to LinkedIn. And it's very crowded, right? Crowded, very crowded and somehow noisy. And you couldn't write a long form story that I'm so mm. used to on LinkedIn. So every time when I want to share something, I need to really restrict my word counts or I just keep it into multiple threads. Mm -hmm. Yes, and yeah, Twitter is one, one channel. The other one that I would love to try out some days is Quora, as you said. Mm -hmm. It's a Q&A platform, Quora. 
or even Stack Overflow for people mm-hmm. who are technical to answer some other uh, other technical questions. So I would suggest that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This uh, question answering platforms they're quite interesting because usually, like you said, you started in this. You didn't know about personal brand. You just wanted to share knowledge, right? Exactly. And I think this these platforms like Stack Exchange platforms like Quora, even Reddit, they're really good platforms for exactly that, right? For sharing knowledge, answering questions. Yeah, correct. And people can even upvote your your answers. If your mm-hmm. answers are really helpful and adding a lot of values, people will upvote it and you'll gain more visibility. And uh, moving onwards, you then build your portfolio on portfolio. Uh, Quora itself, yeah. Yeah, one trick I used, uh, like I used to be active on Quora, and it's yeah. interesting. Like it gives a lot of inspiration. Like when you get a question on Quora, and okay, this is what people uh, <laughs> yeah. are interested about. Okay, yeah. this is something I can, uh, you know, answer this question and put it on LinkedIn or on Twitter, and yeah. then uh, yeah, it also resonates with people. So this is a a nice trick maybe for you or for for who, who is listening to try to be helpful on Quora and then repurpose this content on other social media platforms. Oh, great idea. Yeah, I'll try it out yeah. <laughs> soon, maybe this week. <laughs> yes. and, uh, so you mentioned uh, Clubhouse, uh, which is mm-hmm. an audio-only thing. I haven't tried it because I also have an Android. Uh, so mm-hmm. this is very ex- uh, like not inclusive platform, right? For yes. Like us. <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, it's audio-only think and podcasts are also audio only right so um, well sometimes now podcasts are uh, with video like this one we have right now it's on youtube but we will also release it as audio only version so what is your opinion on uh, podcasts what do you think about see i think uh, i myself i've been wanting to try podcasts uh since last year but i didn't get the time to really commit myself to do it because that requires way more time than just writing your content Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, based on what I've heard and seen and experienced, I think podcast is a great way to share your content in depth. Like if you, you can have 15 minutes, half an hour, one hour podcast with someone, uh, with one guest or few guests discussing certain topics, and you guys can just share your opinions or perspective in these topics, right? And it, that really helps a lot uh, for other audience to learn from, from all the sharing itself instead of just you writing the article, sharing your opinion. Sometimes when people listen to different opinions, they may form their own perspective. And that uh, I think would be something that's helpful for others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically when it's a discussion rather than you know just one person talking or just one person uh, writing, when there is a discussion, it can be more entertaining and more like, how to say, more exploratory. Like you can explore one topic by just uh, you know exchanging opinion and then talking about this. Yeah, exactly. And it's a good way to network with others through podcasts. So is it a good thing for establishing a personal brand? Like being on a podcast, let's say, as a guest or even as a host? Uh, What I would say is definitely a huge opportunity. You can see right now on LinkedIn, so many people are pushing out uh, written form content. Let's focus on the data science domain, right? Mm -hmm. You can see a lot of written content, sharing that content on LinkedIn step-by-step step with some, some of the posts. But you, it's highly uh, unlikely that you'll see someone sharing on podcasts about data science in depth. 
unless there are some celebrities podcasts. But usually, I think people just share it in a, either on articles or YouTube videos, right? So I think podcast is another domain that if you want to build a personal brand and audio is your strength, by all means go for it because I think there's a huge opportunity there to build your personal brand. I like the place where people are not in there. And you go in, you do your expertise, your domain, your, your personal brand, and this is how you get an early, early game uh, opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but it's also a bit challenging uh, because when you have video or when you write, you can really use all these tools that are available for you, like diagrams, visuals, like you can really explain, like especially in data science when we have a lot of formulas, a lot of code. It's very challenging to do that in uh, audio only format, right? Without any slides, without uh, text. So you really have to be good at explaining things. Yeah, that. that trains your uh, communication skills. And one of the good things about podcasts or videos is that I think when you have a podcast with someone, you can actually redistribute your content in different formats. Mm-hmm. Let's say uh, today, me and you, we are having a podcast and there's a camera recording us. So that could be a video, visual podcast, and we can transcribe things into a written format, share it on Medium, so this one. And you can also share the podcast snippets of the podcast, mm-hmm. like maybe one minute on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, mm-hmm. on Twitter. So if you have one hour long of podcast, you can actually split this one hour podcast into 10 different <laughs> content, right? So yes. I think this is something that I learned from Gary, David Chuck. You talk about mm-hmm. this, yeah. Okay, yeah. I uh, I know he's famous. I just uh, I haven't really followed him, but yeah, I, I know so many people actually mentioned him that like this is where they get exp- got inspiration to be active on uh, social media and yeah. What do you think about? So we've mostly talked about online stuff being there on LinkedIn being there on uh, medium also podcast this is something also that is more typical for online than offline so what what about offline world so how um well, like uh, right now it's of course difficult with the lockdown situation uh but i know in singapore maybe it's less uh less strong like the like all the restrictions mm. um so how can we become more visible outside of internet, like outside of LinkedIn, outside of Medium? What is your opinion? Now, um, I think in, because of COVID, we can't really go out to meet yes. people every day. Um, but let's assume COVID is not here. Yes, okay? let's assume. And, and I think one of the platforms that I would use, of course, is LinkedIn. Uh, how I would usually bring my online connection to offline is through mainly LinkedIn. We have been knowing each other on LinkedIn and maybe commenting on each other's posts, but we really didn't come out and meet because I'm in Singapore. Usually uh, when I come out and meet someone, I try to say, hey, you know, um, I would love to have a catch up view. Do you have time for a little catch up in, in Singapore somewhere uh, cafe, right? So this one one way. Another way is through meetups. I attended a lot of meetups in Singapore, uh, offline meetups. So uh, in Google, they often organize the monthly meetups. So from there, I knew uh, a lot of people and we got to know each other better. And also this one way for me to got to know the industry uh, better, like what's going on right now. Now, the other 
platform that I use, which is not very popular in Singapore yet, is called Lunch. Lunch, Lunch Club. Yeah. Lunch Club. Have you heard of that? Yeah, good. Yes, I did. Okay, yeah, I recently just joined Lunch Club, and it's fantastic because uh, I didn't really come out and meet people, uh, but usually we meet online on Zoom or Google Meet, mm-hmm. and I got to know a lot of people uh, in different industries. Someone from lawyer as a lawyer, someone as a designer, someone as an entrepreneur, and someone from a, who is a still a student. So from there, I learned a lot, not just in data science, and that really broadens my perspective to learn from others. And who knows, maybe in future, you guys may have other business opportunities to collect, mm-hmm. right? So Lunch Club, I think, is uh, one of the most underrated platforms, but that requires invitation yeah. in my yeah, right? Like Clubhouse, so right? <laughs> yes, yes. So this is good. These are the few ways uh, that I try to bring online to offline. Not all of the online connections, but maybe somebody whom you have known for some time. Mm-hmm. And you just want to catch up and understand more each other better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yes. and it's basically, it makes, so the connections we have on LinkedIn, they are rather shallow connections, right? So we maybe comment on each other posts or write something. But like the moment when you meet a person and this weak connection becomes a strong connection, right? And then uh, like uh, usually it's better like for like it's uh, like for networking, for job opportunities or for things like that, right? Yes, and, and I would recommend that in the beginning when uh, someone, when a person is starting out to build he or she, his or she personal brand, uh, if someone invites you out like for offline catch out, please don't say no, always say yes. You will know what comes next. Uh, a lot of times I hear, um, you know, I don't have time. I have some stuff to do. I don't know this guy or girl. I just don't, I don't feel like going out. Uh, just say yes. Say yes to that, go for it. Just try it and, and you will know, right? Because a lot of cool opportunities come when you meet someone new. To me, I would say my, my experience is that um, all of the amazing opportunities that come along my way come from people who I knew offline. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that I brought yeah, it from offline. Yeah. yeah, I'm curious, like, uh, for people who are not extroverted, like, who, who'd rather not uh, meet people and sit, you know, in front of uh, a computer and uh, mm-hmm. talk, uh, or maybe, like, only like talk with close uh, friends, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Like how they can, uh, and I know that uh, I'm also that person, like uh, at least I was like, for me, it was very difficult to to talk to people. Like and when somebody invites me on one-on-one in a cafe, somewhere yeah. in the city, I thought, okay, like what does this person need from me? Like, uh, yeah. like is it even safe to go there? Like, and what what if yeah. like, and I immediately imagined the situation like, okay, we'll just be sitting, drinking coffee and not talking, you know, like this awkward situation yeah. when there is not nothing to talk about. And then uh, like, I don't know, after 10 minutes, okay, I need to go, something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah. H- how to overcome? Because I know when I yes. eventually agreed to meet uh, with somebody, this awkward situation didn't happen and uh, what happened was amazing right so i got to know um new people uh, i got uh, uh, good connections like how to overcome this barrier how to say yes i see i think i, f- I, f- I feel you because 
there, there are always some awkward moments. You can't really talk for non-stop, like one hour, two hours. There's always some sort of silence and people by nature hate silence when they are in, they are with other people. Uh, so to me, I, I would say maybe two things here. Uh, one thing, this is just based on my experience, is that um, being vulnerable as you are. Like if I miss someone, I wouldn't mind sharing some of my weaknesses to, to them, you know? I just share, I, I really don't know this. That, and by admitting, I don't know this, people are more open up to share what they know, to help you. And, and people, by nature, are always willing to help. You just need to give a chance for them to help you. And how to give a chance is by being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And this is how we connect easily, by opening up our door. But the first step is to open your door first. Mm-hmm. Um, so being vulnerable is one thing. Uh, second thing is try to think some of the common topics that uh, we can relate to. For example, if, I am, if I'm meeting someone at a cafe, I, I, I would maybe talk about some of the recent news, perhaps COVID, perhaps Clubhouse. That, hey, mm-hmm. do you play Clubhouse? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm using Android. Can you, you know, share with me some of your Clubhouse experience? Now, this is another new topic, right? Something that the person is interested in and you're curious to know. So there's mm-hmm. an exchange of information there and I find it very interesting. Yeah, but uh, there is not like it's not just about one-on-one meetings in the offline world so we can also go to meetups not just as visitors not just as guests but also as speakers and if we talk about personal brand then this is maybe a more scalable way of establishing offline personal brand offline presence right Um, so how do you how can one get invited to a meetup to speak or how can one uh, try to to get to speak on a meetup? I, I see, good question. Um, I still remember the first time I got invited to to a meetup. Um, it was in a bank. I wouldn't imagine I would go in and just talk. And what really scared me the most is in the meetup, most of the people were from a big company. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking side by side with another CTO of that big company. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I was, I was not the first speaker, I was the second one. So the first speaker spoke a lot, I was like, oh my God, am I gonna share what I'm gonna share? Is people gonna listen to me? So this is something that I, uh, I was uh, fortunate to, to join. But I think to me, the first time I got invited is because I knew the person um, through LinkedIn. Again, I brought this connection offline that we met over a few times. We got to know each other better, maybe through some collaboration. And the people know you better and people will start you know, noticing you and inviting you when they meet a speaker. So this is more on a passive way. You're waiting someone to, to approach you. A more active way that I would say is try to look out for uh, other conferences. And I think current, currently, to, due to COVID situation, there are many virtual conferences that you can go. So you can just Google search for data science conferences like uh, Data Talk like today conference, or maybe uh, like what you have, different data conferences like Data Catered by Kids, right? Mm-hmm. So different different conferences, they, they also need speakers. You just need to try to ask, hey, mm-hmm. you know, I have this expertise and I really love to share 
uh, this topic, uh, stuff like that, to add more values to your audience, do you mind, or do you have any other vacancy for that? Mm -hmm. And I think people will be more than willing to give you a chance if you just ask. Mm -hmm. but, but also, like speaking of a dedicated conference, I also approached Kate saying, hey, can yes. I speak at your conference? And then, yeah. no. <laughs> so, well, because it was already booked, so I couldn't speak. Yeah. But like how, uh, like when you ask people, hey, hey, can I speak on, also in many conferences, there is a certain process, uh, like you need to submit a proposal and then they review the proposal and get back to you. And then often you get rejected. Like how, how to deal with this rejection? Like when uh, you want to talk about something, you want to teach people, but they say, no, like this, this doesn't belong here. Like, or we already booked, like how, how, how to deal with this rejection? See, I think that's uh, understandable. So for me, usually I would just, uh, of course getting rejected is sad to be honest. But uh, other than that, I would say, I would try to get their feedback. Like uh, what is your concern? Is it because uh, it's already full? Or is it because of some mismatch in terms of expectation? Or maybe this doesn't fit your, your conference team. You can't fit into every single conference, otherwise you'll be very busy. So I'll try to get the feedback from them and try to reapply maybe next round. And then using that feedback, I'll try to fine tune my pitch. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'll try to craft the message and send to another conference organizer. Uh, and, and to increase your chance of getting featured or getting noticed. Uh, if you know someone who knows the conference organizer, mm -hmm. ask that guy or, or girl or lady or whatever, right, to recommend you to that organizer. Uh -huh. So you stand a higher chance to get uh, shortlisted. This is how, how I would suggest. Yeah, so yeah. basically have a, a good network. So it's not just yes. about your personal brand, but also like who yeah. you know. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the, the interesting situation is uh, like we talk now because I invited you, right? But then I guess at some point, like yeah, you first, you were reaching out to different conference organizers, meetup organizers. How did it happen for you that instead of you applying to conferences, it reversed so conference organizers started to reach out to you and invite? Like how, how did it happen for you? Um... How did it happen to me? This is a very great question. I think throughout this two years plus journey, um, I've attended online meetup, offline uh, conferences. Uh, I think one of the reasons that I suppose is because I share my speaking experience on LinkedIn and, and that people notice you, hey, you, you actually speak in a public platform. They notice you as a speaker in data science space space they'll take note of that and whenever they have this kind of availability they approach you and the other thing that i would say is change your headline and and that really changed a lot of things i didn't believe in that first i i read an article from someone else and, and she said that if you want to go for something you have to let people know that you are in this space first. Mm -hmm. So LinkedIn headline is the first thing that people see you, even when they're reading your comment, this is the first thing they appear. So I immediately changed that. Uh, instead of data scientists alone, I changed data scientists uh, vertical bar speaker, and you mm -hmm. can still see it now on LinkedIn. So changing headline gets you noticed by others. 
not just by reading the comment, but also when people are searching data science speaker, these three keywords, your mm -hmm. profile stand a higher chance of being on the top. And LinkedIn itself is like uh, SEO, but on mm -hmm. LinkedIn. So your headline is like the SEO mm -hmm. for the for people to look up to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, interesting. An interesting trick. But also, I guess for you, like for you personally, and this is something we talked about at the beginning, like uh, what is personal brand? It's being known in a certain niche. And when I was looking for speakers for this conference, I thought, okay, career session. I need somebody who can speak about personal brand. Hmm, who that might, that person might be. And then I thought of you immediately. So this is like, this is the power of a personal brand. Like who has... Uh, who is talking about personal brand in the data science space? And for me, your name immediately popped up. So this is like I'm a good example. <laughs> this is a good example okay. of a good personal brand. Well, I didn't know that. Okay, I'm glad I did. Appreciate it, appreciate it. So I did, yeah, I shared it. And I think uh, personal brand is something that is, uh, something that is underrated. I mean, in, in most, it's even not just data science, but in general. Right. People tend not to share with other people in terms of their experience, especially in Asian countries. We are very reserved, we are very conservative, we don't like to share. Uh, so I would always recommend people, hey, just share, right? Just share, let people know. Um, but people tend, which is understandable, people by nature tend to scared to be judged. And we all are afraid of being judged. And I think uh, you just need to accept that, embrace it, and to share by share with the mindset that you want to help. Yeah. And you're free from that. Yeah. Yeah, because we actually this is a good topic because we have a question in Slider. How do you get the confidence to write when you learn data science yourself? So and this uh, like this is what you just talked about. Like, okay, I wrote something and then I need to press this post yeah. button. And then I immediately think, okay. Now, when I post this, when I press this button, yeah. it goes live. Everyone will see it and everybody will think, okay, this person has no idea what he's talking about, right? So, uh, yeah, this is like, how do you get this confidence, especially when you know that, uh, uh, let's say you're just learning data science. You know that you're not ex an expert in field. You, you know that you might be mistaken. How do you convince yourself uh, have enough confidence to press this post button? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely feel that. In fact, uh, if you read some of my articles at the comments there, I, I do get a lot of these uh, disagreements. And in fact, I make a lot of mistakes, not just grammar mistakes, but data science kind of technical mistakes. And I admit that. I admit that because uh, I'm not experienced enough. And I do share it for the sake of you know, sharing my experience and telling others. Uh, to get to me to get the confidence to, to share, to press that publish button, uh, is that don't write to impress or to show people how good you are. Like if you if you write just to show people how good you are to impress others, I think um, that's not a good reason to write at the first place. Uh, how I would say is that write because you want to share and help others that has been through the same struggle as you are, mm -hmm. right? Because when you write uh, with the mindset of just helping, 
Uh, it doesn't matter whether people criticize you or not. It's because you, you just do it out of goodwill. Right? You don't do it to impress others. So, so that really gives me a strong boost you know, in, in confidence to write. And even I got a lot of different comments that I still write. And, and that's fine because we all learn from the process. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe on LinkedIn it doesn't happen as much, at least to me personally. Like when I share, the community is more, uh, how to say, friendly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, like, uh, but on Twitter, like it's sometimes like just wild west. <laughs> because on Twitter you can be anonymous, right? Yeah. And then people yeah. write it uh, on Twitter like uh, a lot of nasty stuff. Like you don't know anything, like who allowed you to, to write on Twitter. And that is demotivating. Like next time you th you want to write something and then you think, okay, like, should I press this? Uh, like, do I want to get these kind of comments? Uh, yeah, this is uh, like, how do you develop like this thick skin that uh, that these comments do not, uh, you know, get into you? Do you have I maybe see. an idea how to do that? Uh, usually uh, I would say there are different approaches depending on who uh, the individual is, but I would say to, to best deal with these negative so-called comments, try to engage them. I try to understand where they are coming from. Uh, you, I do receive this from time to time. I just reply the comment, mm -hmm. okay, with that, understand that, and thanks for sharing, and I really appreciate it, um, and stuff like that, and see where you can improve on. Instead of uh, going against them, I think this mm -hmm. is, you know, you're holding on to your opinion. Everyone has their own opinion, and Nobody deserves that the opinion is always right. Nobody's perfect. So to be really open-minded, thinking that uh, your opinion is less wrong compared to others, then you won't really uh, feel like you need to go against the people when they put some uh, negative comments. And by saying that you appreciate their comment, this makes people feel a bit, you know, appreciated that they won't feel... Uh, offended hey this guy you know what's this guy doing uh this guy doesn't allow me to say something here is he hiding something you know this kind of thing yeah the, yeah indeed so it kind of like the energy may be negative maybe the person is trying to start like a flame or whatever like a flame war but like you're turning this negative energy into something more positive right and then uh, yes. maybe you will have a good conversation we have a related comment uh, about imposter syndrome. And I think this is like, this is what stops us from clicking that uh, publish button, right? Um, like how, uh, and I, I imagine that you also have to deal with, uh, with that. Like how do you overcome, especially when it comes to social media or public yeah. speaking, how do you overcome that? Exactly, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing. I think I do face this from time to time. I always admit that I'm not good. I'm not a technical person. I, I tell people, even uh, to, to people who are close to me or people who are not so close to me, that I say, um, I, I'm not a technical guy. And if you ask me about machine learning in general, deep learning in general, I can answer that. If you ask me something that's very technical in deep learning or machine learning, I would say, I don't know, because I, I'm not an expert in, in this space. So to go back to your question, sometimes uh, we do face the imposter syndrome, but how to overcome it, how I overcome it is by understanding me, myself better, what am I good at, what am I not good at? 
And, and one of the quotes that I love, uh, as mentioned by Jack Ma, is mm-hmm. when people say you are not good, you need to think whether you are really that not good. When people say you are good, you need to think twice that are you really that good? So this is how I keep my balance, not trying to be so, too overconfident when people say I'm good or not trying to be too depressed when people say I'm not good. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so this is how I overcome that, that kind of syndrome. Mm-hmm. So just uh, yeah, realizing you are who you are and yes. uh, just living with that, right? Self-awareness. Yeah. Uh, be really self-aware of your strengths and weaknesses by thoroughly analyzing your entire story, your career story, where you come from, what have you come across so far, what have you learned, what are the mistakes, and what are your strengths. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to talk a bit about your teaching experience because I think this is uh, quite connected to uh, the topic of personal brand and to yeah. the topic of uh, today's talk, like we talked about sharing knowledge a lot. Um, so um, like sharing knowledge, being a teacher, is it uh, a good way of st- establishing personal brand? Like being a teacher and then, you know, just going there and started, you know, uh, um, putting courses. Uh, uh, this is probably the best way of doing that, right? I see. Are you referring that uh, to, to build an online course to teach someone? Is that Yes, yes. Like... Uh, you just go there and uh, I imagine that this is uh, something you also do because you're an instructor in some uh, school. Uh, uh, we will talk about this uh, in a bit. Um, yeah, and you want to uh, become maybe like establish your personal brand and teach people. Like just go on LinkedIn and starting uh, like with the idea of teaching, like some, let's say teaching data science or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think definitely that helps teaching, especially if you're able to build your own online course that could scale up like a bit, a lot. So, so if you are able to build your own online course and to teach by sharing your expertise, that doesn't just generate revenue for you, but also that uh, builds your personal brand at scale. Right? People, people and grow in your, in your uh, platform and people know you. So, so one of the things that I, I, wanna, I want to highlight here is it's called Data Science uh, Bootcamp, Data Science Bootcamp uh, 5, organized by some other organizers. And their platform is entirely free, but they teach it for the sake of uh, helping more people learn data science. I think this is one of the be- uh, best ways to, to build your personal brand. Mm-hmm. But I think if you are working on this on your own full time, so you need some cash to come in. So you really need to balance between building your personal brand and mm-hmm. generating income for yourself. You can build your personal brand, but if no one's paying your staff, mm-hmm. you will still be broke. Mm-hmm. So, so I think there are two phases on this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's say if I want to start uh, uh, building an online course about data science and sell it, then I need to have... Uh, I need already to have a personal brand. So people when see that I published a course, they, okay, I know this person, I trust this person, I trust this person with my money, so I will pay this person and get a course, right? And if you don't have this personal brand, 
then yeah, nobody will buy because nobody knows you, right? And then exactly. one way of doing this, of actually getting this personal brand, is just giving the content away for free. Just you know, take the course and release like this data science bootcamp you mentioned. They just started teaching people for free, and now everyone knows them. Like they, they, um, like they became better known. They established their brand, and people know they can trust them, right? Yes, yes. and that depends on how you uh, want to frame. Your, your your brand because I think everyone has their own brand. Uh, we just couldn't copy other people's brand. So so uh, one thing to add on here is to build your own personal brand. You really need to know what you stand for. Like, are you standing for? Or what are your values? Right? Is your value uh, consistency? Is your value uh, serving other people? Right? Is your value uh, hard work or whatever? So once you know your values. There's no question that you couldn't build your personal brand. If you build your personal brand for the sake of building it, somehow, somewhere, someday, you might be very confused. What am I doing here? What, mm -hmm. what is the brand I'm standing on? Right? So I think corporate brand and personal brands are very similar. Apple, their innovation, think different. So this is the brand. Personal brand, what, what are we really believing? To me, I, to me, I really I think that Serving others, sharing, right? This my is my value, what I stand for. So, so whenever I post content online, I know that I want to help, how to share. Uh, I could be wrong, but I just admit that and I improve on that, right? So, so I think this is something to note. Yeah. So, and this is probably like having these values, realizing what these values are. This is what helps you to click that publish button, right? Because you know why yes. why you're doing this. You know why you click this button and then it makes it easier. Exactly. You just hit the point. Know your why, right? If you don't know your why, there's no way that you can do it in long term. Mm -hmm. So if you just do it for the sake of doing and you don't know, why am I doing this at the first place? And mm -hmm. someday you may just question yourself, am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. Or am I not? Yeah. And I know that you also have a course about personal brand. Is it something that, uh, like, you know, establishing values, like coming up with your own values and things like this? Is it something that you cover there in the course? Yeah, uh, in this course, I do cover two main things, uh, actually platforms. One is Medium, my favorite, and my link, link and LinkedIn. Essentially, I deconstruct the whole things, how to show you how you can build your personal brand on, on Medium and LinkedIn and how to polish your portfolio on LinkedIn as well. So for someone who is new to Medium and LinkedIn, I also help them build their Medium profile, how to publish your content, how to schedule your content, what content to post. So some of the resources that I share, Fitly, Basubo, I, I did share that also, uh, but I share that in, in depth in the course. And finally, I also share some of the steps that I use whenever I publish my content. Uh, so it's the content strategy that I employ uh, yeah, to build your personal brand on Medium and LinkedIn. Because I, I only share what I have been using. So yeah, and, and hopefully to help more other people in this. Mm -hmm. yeah. And to, uh, what is the, like you mentioned content strategy and you said you help people developing this. So what is the content strategy? Yeah, good, good one. How, how to find your content with many, many different resources. I myself have compiled 
a list of resources that I'm going to look up to whenever I generate content. There are the few things that share few, Philly, Bazuo, this, right? So we look at other people's posts, Quora, my ideas, uh, sometimes from Twitter as well, and sometimes from Stack Overflow. Um, and these are just some ways that you can first get some ideas to generate content and to write a good story. There's another skill. Some, it's called storytelling skill. And I've been learning this, how to write a good story to engage other people. Um, so I, I'm still learning this, how to write it and write in a way that engages other people. They want to keep reading your stuff, right? So this is the second thing. The third thing is uh, something that's more tactical. When you should post and how often you should mm -hmm. post. On LinkedIn, whatever channel, there's always an optimum time to post. And that depends on the demographics of your audience. To me, my best time to post on LinkedIn is 6 p.m. Singapore time. <laughs> so you always see my posts coming out on 6 p.m. Singapore time. Um, on Twitter itself, I split it into three different times, but I'm still testing it out. Uh, it's 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 6 p.m. Yeah. I think uh, I do something similar, but uh, I still don't know how to find a good time. So how yeah. did you find this uh, that 6 uh, p.m. Singapore time on LinkedIn works best for you? Yeah, for LinkedIn, I've been testing quite a fair bit. I tested in the morning, nothing happened, like zero. I tested before lunch, 12 p.m. And it was quite a few engagement. I tested 3 and 4 p.m. People are still working, nobody engages. And I tested in 6 p.m. or after that, maybe sometimes 9 p.m., 7 p.m. So 6 to 9 p.m. to me is a sweet spot. And I think one of the reasons is that most of my audience came from either U.S. or India. Mm -hmm. So that fits in their time schedule. When I look at uh, people who, who look at my LinkedIn, the demographic. Mm -hmm. Okay, makes sense. And how can people find your course? Oh, yeah, they can just go to... How can I share the link? Uh, let me see. They can just type in personal brand toolkits. Um, personal brand toolkits. Yes, uh, let me just share I will it. definitely share this in the description. Yeah. Sure, I'll just share it in the Zoom chats. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll share this in, in the comments. Sure. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, uh, like a question to me like, all we say, like, it looks glorious, like, okay, like, develop a personal brand and then you become famous, you become known for a certain thing, people will reach out to you, uh, invite to conferences. But are there disadvantages of having? good personal brand of being known? Disadvantages, I would say yes. uh, sometimes I would be too carried away by my social engagement mm -hmm. because I, I tend to commit myself to uh, engage other people's posts. So I don't just post content, I also engage other people's posts, liking, commenting, sharing. So this consumes a lot of my time and I tend to uh, lack of focus on some, some of the things that are more important. Mm -hmm. So priorities could be something that, uh, uh, that I need to take note of. And the second thing is that um, it's time consuming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would say um, when you start generating content, first time you struggle, second time you don't know what to do, 
and then slowly and slowly you get used to the process of content generation. But I think that takes time. Mm -hmm. So I think the most important disadvantage is uh, managing your priority. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is maybe it's not an advantage. Maybe it's like uh, not a bug. It's a feature. Like this is uh, like it's a useful skill to pick up. Anyways, not yeah, it's not necessarily related to the personal brand. Like maybe yeah. it's also useful at work and for for other things. Exactly. Okay. Well, I think we covered all the questions. Uh, so yeah, there is uh, still one question in Slido: is how much time you spent on creating and sharing content content and uh, how do you manage time to build a personal brand and actually do data science so there are two questions okay yeah, so, first so one, let's how let's much time with, yes let's start with the first one how much time do you spend on creating and sharing content i think we briefly I've, talked about that like you said like a couple of hours on the weekend right yes i would say every week i would, I would allocate two to three hours of my time mm -hmm. Uh, on weekend, sometimes Saturday, sometimes Sunday, to just sit down and, and generate the content by writing my posts on Hootsuite that I just shared with you, Hootsuite, to, to schedule. Once I write my post and I just schedule it uh, in an interval, maybe one post in, in one day, right, for LinkedIn, and I'll just schedule it right away. So that takes me about uh, two to three hours. And the reason for that is it takes me about one hour to go and find ideas and, and, and content to write. It told me the rest of the time to just write the content. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to write a good story uh, and stuff like that. So, so I would say two to three hours. Yeah, and regarding the second question. Yeah, sorry, the second I I one, it was how do you manage time to build a personal brand and at the same time do actual data science? I see, cool. Um, to me, because it depends on the job nature. So my current job nature is more on the teaching side. Mm -hmm. So I do share and teach at the same time. I do less on the implementation stuff because I'm teaching what I've learned. Um, but last time when I was still working as a, as a data scientist, that was quite hectic, I would say. I just need to manage the time uh, on your own. And, and that's the reason why I allocated my time to be just two to three hours a week, no more than that. But on a daily basis, I still engage with others, not more than 30 minutes a day on LinkedIn. So this is how I manage my time. And I would say, try to utilize your date time to engage with others. Like when you're committing on a train, on a bus, you are traveling, you're walking, try to uh, communicate with others on social media. And that helps a bit because you don't need to look at your phone when you're working. You don't need to look at phone before you sleep. So all the things are done uh, in your daytime. daytime yeah. okay. And when people do that, it's probably the best time to to post, right? To publish. Yeah, correct. This is because when, when pe <laughs> people <laughs> yeah. are uh, commuting. Yes, um, correct. So last question. Do you have any book recommendation? Well, um, I do share a few. So first and foremost, uh, of course, I, I feel like I just need to mention Andrew's book, The 100-Page Machine Learning Book. Okay. Yes, just, just check it out. It's a bestseller on Amazon. Uh, I've read it myself, the first edition, and it is really easy to understand. So if you're someone that 
who are just studied out, but you don't want to read something that's so technical, then go read this book because uh, Andrew really gave a very good intuition for common machine learning models. And this gave a strong foundation when you're studying out. And the, the second book I recommend is an intro to machine learning. Oh, sorry, not machine learning. An intro to statistical learning. Oh, okay, yeah, from this like, like a, from Stanford, right? Like yes, professor from Stanford. This is like a bible if you want to learn machine learning. I I read this book when I was studying. This is my first book that I read, mm -hmm. and that really gave me a strong foundation uh, in terms of how machine learning is built. Essentially, it's just calculus and linear algebra. So when you break this down, um, the rest will be easy for you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot for taking your time to come here or join us and uh, share your personal story. Also sharing uh, like everything you learned with us. Uh, you shared a lot of uh, valuable information, a lot of tips. Thanks a lot for that. And uh, yeah, so uh, it was nice chatting with you. Thanks, I really appreciate the time here. And I really enjoy uh, sharing with you and the audience here. So hope you guys found it helpful. And yeah, look forward to joining more of your sessions soon. Future. Thanks. All the best. Yes. Yeah.